This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. I prefer fatties. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Second down and ten. And this is the third big carry of the game, and this one in the end zone for Dalvin Cook. My, oh, my. This is such a 180 from last year, you know. What a classic drive, a third quarter. Cousins throws that play action for nine yards. And right after that, QB sneak to Brett behind Bradbury for two yards. What a first-round pick. Finally, indeed. Cousins over the top for the rushing touchdown. And the Minnesota Vikings in the first half have rushed for over 120 yards. Yeah, and the, the final score was not indicative of how much of a blowout. It actually was 28 to nothing at one point, and then 28 to 12. Final, Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Purple Daily included Sage Rosenfels today with Matthew Collar. You can find that anywhere you find podcasts. And Vikings Ventline is now six days a week, 10 o'clock on Mondays, 11 o'clock start time. Tuesday through Friday with Judd Zolgad and Danny Cunningham and also post-game where uh, it was festive yesterday. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, and he's going to be a weekly guest with us on Mondays for Pelissero's NFL Insights. And we started the show off today, Tom. Mike Zimmer has spent the last seven months stewing and molding off last year's disappointing season. And pretty much every checkbox that he probably went into week one wanting to check. Uh, run the ball a lot. Anthony Barr terrorizing quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, just have him be a little bit more of a manager. Um, that was probably the perfect way to script it for Mike Zimmer, don't you think? I had that conversation outside the locker room yesterday with uh, John Krasinski from The Athletic. It was like, if, it, if Zimmer were dreaming of a way to win a football game, that's probably it, which is, you know, your special teams are not a liability. You create a couple of turnovers defensively, run the football effectively. Uh, yeah, they did all those things. And it'll be interesting to see now how they, you know, are able to build that, build off that momentum next week going against, you know, going on the road against the Packers team with a really good quarterback, and um, you know how how much better can they get? What else do they roll out? It'll be uh, fascinating to watch. Tommy, explain what we saw from the Falcons because I expected a close, tight game. I expected that the, the Falcons would take a step forward again this year. I expected a lot of things, and I didn't see them. So so in, in the excitement of saying that the Vikings played well, which they certainly did, and not to discredit the Vikings, how much of this, too, is is partially, if not a no-show, a really bad game from Atlanta? Yeah, you know, it's like a player told me years ago, and I can't use the exact phrasing on the radio, but it's, you know, sometimes there are games that just go to hell from the moment that they begin, and that, and that was one of them for the Falcons. I mean, to have the block, I can't remember which order it was, but the block punt and the interception to give you two short fields in the first quarter, and all of a sudden you're down 14 to nothing, and you feel like the game is already getting away from you. The crowd gets into it. That was a big thing when I talked to Matt Ryan down in uh, Flowery Branch last week. That was a big thing he said. It was like, we, we can't let the the crowd affect the game because they're always allowed in Minnesota. And it, it just it got out of hand quickly. 
Uh, you know, and defensively, they they have so much team speed on the defensive side, and they want to be physical and aggressive up front. You didn't really see that, and the Vikings used their aggressiveness a little bit against them, too. You know, the weird thing about week one games, and I think that this would be applicable to what Baltimore did um, offensively to the Dolphins yesterday. I think it would be applicable to some of the other teams that had really good week ones. There are things you can show that you have not put on tape previously that are going to be more effective in week one than they are going forward. For the Vikings, it would be some of those seal-the-edge toss plays that they hadn't put on tape at all, and it was obvious. I mean, I don't, I don't remember in a long time a Vikings running back with as big a holes as Dalvin Cook had on some of those perimeter plays. Those were just things that the Falcons were obviously not ready for. Uh, the Vikings gashed them with some really big plays in the early going, and by the time the Falcons you know, caught up a little bit and had a little more success defensively, they were already down a couple of touchdowns. Talking with Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, as we do every Monday at this time throughout the football season on Mackie and Judd with Rami. Speaking of things that, that weren't put on film, were they doing anything different with Anthony Barr than what we've seen in the past? Because I know the, the numbers weren't much different. He rushed the quarterback nine times, I think Matthew Collar said earlier, which is not not really that different from what they've done with him in the past. But scheme-wise, did they do anything with Anthony Barr, or was he just more effective? Well, in the early going, he was adding to the rush a lot. There seemed to be plays, and, yeah, I mean, it's Matt Ryan, so I don't know how much you want to call Barr a spy, but there were times where he had his eyes on the quarterback, and once he realized that they weren't going to throw the ball to the flat, they weren't going to throw a screen, uh, he came at, at Matt Ryan. He was effective. I mean, he was everywhere, especially in that first quarter, the big early sack. Um, affecting one of the interceptions, he, he had a really good game. That's something the Vikings definitely want to explore more, just being able to, to use him in the rush, not strictly as an edge player, because Everson Griffin played one of the best games he's played in a couple of years yesterday. You have Daniel Hunter. You don't need to have Anthony Barr with his hand down, but you know the way that they can use him being kind of a stand-up player who can either drop in coverage, add to the rush, that's what they really like about him is he's such a good athlete and he's such a big guy, too, has pretty good instincts. Uh, when he gets rolling like that, he can really effective game, and you saw that yesterday. Oops, help to, helps to turn the mic on like a true professional here. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. <laughs> Overrated, here. if you ask me. Uh, Just Mackie, yell. Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right. Um, Antonio Brown. WTF. What do you make of the last 72 <laughs> hours, Tom? <laughs> I, I don't even know how to, how to sum it up because we've never seen anything quite like that other than perhaps Antonio Brown six months ago doing things that led to him, you know, being out in Pittsburgh. I mean, think about it. Going back to last December, so in the past nine and a half months, or nine months, whatever it is, he went AWOL for a Week 17 game. They couldn't find him. He showed up on the sideline in a fur coat, didn't end up playing in a game where had some things gone differently, they potentially could have gotten themselves into the playoffs. Then, you know, acts very interesting for months to come at the Super Bowl, gave some bizarre interviews, all the stuff where he was uh, putting on Instagram, going live, Mr. Big Chest on the treadmill, uh, ends up getting <laughs> traded. The Steelers couldn't get value for him, and we knew that. You know, I remember very early on in the process asking on people in the league, and they thought maybe they didn't get a third-round pick. They ended up getting a third and a fifth because the guy's almost 31 years old at the time. He's now 31. Um and you had all these other issues to deal with on top of uh, on top of the contract. So he goes to Oakland. They give him a raise, but they don't actually pay him the money. He ends up going through the off-season program, 
the constant headache of the helmet situation, combined with the going in a cryo chamber without the proper footwear, uh, this all plays out, disappearing from camp on a couple of occasions. The general manager has to come out and make him a statement saying he's, he's all in or he's all out. Then they start fining him. And then that's all before the past week with the, the confrontation with Mayock over one of the fines that he had posted on social media, the Gruden tape, which apparently Gruden had signed off by a text message on him, including something that under California's wiretapping laws is not legal to record because it's a dual consent state. Uh, you know, and then the, you know, the release on, on Saturday that we covered extensively on NFL Network, um, we, we just, we never see anything like that. You know, so you can look at it two different ways. One is that this guy somehow talked his way out of Pittsburgh, got a raise in guaranteed money, talked his way out of Oakland, still got guaranteed money again for the Patriots, or you can look at it as, he ends up taking a pay cut. You know, if he maxes out, he does everything right in New England, he gets his $15 million. But, you know, the, the Patriots are not going to just say, okay, do whatever you want here, we'll put you on the field. No, he's got to conform to that program like everybody else if he's going to be able to play. Uh, that's going to be one of the fascinating storylines in the season. Is we, we all know the guy's one of the most productive players uh, in the NFL. He, he has Hall of Fame type of numbers at this point. But he's going to have to do things the Patriot way if he's going to be on the field. He's going to have to earn every dime. You know, that, that $20 million, 2020 option they added to his contract, you know, is there a possibility he gets picked up? Sure. But they did the same thing with Darrell Revis a year ago, putting on tacking on a second full a year, got his average up, you know, so he'd still be one of the higher-paid corners, in this case one of the higher-paid receivers. In reality, this is a one-year contract, and he's going to a place where they're not going to cut him a ton of slack. He's going to have to be – uh, you know, he's got to be Antonio Brown on the field, but he's got to be a Patriot offense. Explain this to me, because this is, at the end of the day, Tom, the one thing that I can't, I don't get. If you're the Raiders, why didn't you just suspend him? Why Why would you turn him loose? It's, it's the other direction they could have taken things. What they would have had to do, yeah, they could have suspended him, but the thing is, Judd, under the, the, the collective bargaining agreement, you can only suspend a guy four games for conduct detrimental. So then they would have had another month of, you know, however long they suspended him for, of Antonio Brown posting things on social media, ripping the organization, causing all sorts of issues they're going to have to answer at a time where, you know, the coaches and everybody in that building certainly just wants to finally be able to focus on football starting tonight against the Broncos. The other avenue they could have gone would be after finding him and after the blow-up and he asked for his release, they could have gone, okay, either show up or don't. If he showed up, you have to figure out whether or not to play him. If he doesn't show up, which it sounds like he was not going to, you could send him a five-day letter, which would give Antonio Brown five days to come back to the building, or else they could transfer him to the left squad list, put him on the shelf for the entire season, not pay him, and he couldn't play for anyone else. Again, though, that sets up the scenario now where it's a however long it is of him posting Instagram videos and uh, – I'm not going to sit here and say he's got other Gruden tapes, but who knows what exactly Antonio yeah. Brown's got going on over there. You just didn't know. They wanted to, to spin this forward to go ahead and, and play football. They decided to cut ties after they couldn't trade him, and you know here we are now with him on the Patriots, and they're going to go out there and try to win with the other guys tonight. Hey, a couple more minutes here with Tom Pelosero from NFL Network. How does this saga compare or contrast to Randy Moss' 2010 Vikings, Tom? Uh, there, there are some similarities to it. I think just in a you know a different way that was a, a completely different situation where at that time that was Moss was asking for a raise from the Patriots. Speaking of 
you know, really talented players who you, you still have to play by the rules to a certain degree in New England. You know, he wanted a raise. They weren't going to give it to him, so they traded him away to the Vikings. Uh, and it very quickly devolved there. You know, he was coming back into the building. I've often talked about that situation as he's the, the frat brother who came back three years after his graduation and figured he owned the house again. That was Moss. He thought he should still be able to run the show. Uh, Brad Childress did not want it to be that way. You know, the, the incident with the caterer, which I walked in right at the end of, has kind of been made as this, um, you know, this explanation for what it was all about. But there were, there were a whole bunch of things. Him walking in, I think Jed reported it, of how he told the owners, uh, get rid of the coach. You got to fire Childress after the Patriots game and then held that press conference, uh, in Foxborough where he praised Bill Belichick up and down. It's glorious time. Bill Belichick. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then Judd, this is a great Judd story. So that ends, right? We all know this is just, you know, a complete disaster at that point. Judd stands up right as it's over, and there's like, in a lot of press conferences, you have the line of recorders that have been set on the podium. Judd steps up, and with the mic still hot, people still live on TV, probably live on Vikings.com, Judd stands up to grab his recorder, and you can hear him go, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a great moment. It was. I stand by that comment. At least, in that, at least in that case, the Vikings had Moss on the field for four games. He didn't like the, the coaching staff, didn't take his suggestion against the Patriots for the game plan and everything. At least he was on the field. The Raiders end up giving up a third and a fifth round draft pick to rent a guy who was a pain in the ass over the summer for six months. And, you know, now they'll have to try to win without. One of the most talented players in the NFL. We've, we've yeah. honestly, uh, nothing compares to what we've seen from Antonio Brown over the past year. Absolutely nothing. All right, so if Vikings fans want to see uh, endless loops of Dalvin Cook running for all of the yards on NFL Network this week, what shows should they be keying in on? Well, we are live every day on NFL Now from noon to 2 Central. There's also Total Access, which is 6 to 7 Central, uh, among other programming throughout the course of the week. Good morning football, of course, three hours from, I believe it's 6 to 9 a.m. Central. Every day, you know, it's around the clock, though, man. We got fantasy shows. We got, uh, we got whatever you want. Hey, what was the? I want to know what was the meeting like when they decided on the name Good Morning Football, which is the most brilliant name of any show in American television history. Like, what was the epiphany moment in that production meeting? What if we called it Good Morning Football? Yes, Bob. It's a great. It's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to it. You know, there had been a bunch of other predating me. Uh, morning shows that they had NFL AM uh, and other things, but they they hit on something there, man. That there is nothing else on TV quite like that show. It's fun uh, fun being on there when I'm on. All right, Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, and we'll catch up with you again next Monday. See you, man. See you, buddy. Sounds good. Sounds good, guys. All right, he's um, a longtime friend of of. He was also one of the founding fathers of the old 1500 ESPN. And he covered here. the Vikings in 2010. Yeah, that was the year. In fact, I actually stood up and said, "This is bleeping awesome." Yeah. And someone goes, I think that mic's still hot. I said, I don't care. This is bleeping awesome. <laughs> I said, if I'm going to have to go through this, then I don't care what people think of me. Uh, so, Rami, hang tight. You're hang- You're out there in Milwaukee. Mackie and Judd with Rami. When we come back here, let's go to a hypothetical world, okay? Ooh. Would Antonio Brown have worked in Minnesota? Let's say the Vikings were the team. Ooh. And I know that like it's not like they need a third wide receiver. I'm all, I mean... I'm with Matthew back in the spring. If they would have added Antonio Brown to this uh, already amazing duo, it would have been great. But could they have handled it, I guess, is the question. Dalvin 
Devin Cook. Into the end zone, another touchdown for Cook. I mean, I think when I look at this, the job of the offense is to move the ball efficiently. When I look at this offense, I think Mark Rippon, I think Trent Dilfer. You have to run the ball. You have to play good, solid defense. You can't throw it around every second and try and move the ball. Your job is to score points and move it efficiently. So I love the way that we look today. I love the way that we took care of the football. I want to hang up and listen. I want to say, Skull Vikings, let's go. Score North. The all-new Score North. This is our first Viking season at Score North here. AM 1500, if you're listening on your radio, live.scorenorth.com. If you just want a live stream link or the Score North mobile app, which is free to download, at least for now. For a potentially limited time, so yeah. act fast. Are we still at least for now. threatening pe- people with that one? Where know. we might yank that off the, the table same. and make them pay? We have meetings every morning to decide, is this the day? Is what do you mean, Judd? Like we're just making this up? I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just I you, I don't like know what goes some on. Sort of ploy. Like, I don't like like we're just trying to get people to to go and get the app. I don't know it's going to be free forever. Like we would do that. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors here. Okay, yeah, that's crazy. That's all I'm saying. So, gentlemen, let us uh, go down a hypothetical path here. Okay, just for fun. And I'm not I'm not looking to get into a discussion about. Like, would it be a, like, X's and O's fits or anything like that? I'm saying... Or, like, salary cap. Yep. Not, we're not talking about any of that, right? None of that. Okay. Purely from a could-they-have-handled-it perspective. Vikings and Antonio Brown. So when Antonio Brown hit the free agent market on Saturday afternoon, or Saturday mid-morning, the Patriots right away jumped in. I mean, Bill Belichick probably picked up the phone or vice versa, talked oh, to Drew Rosenhaus and said, all right... Or, or started the conversation back. Say, Let's the cut through spring the, time. The, we are going to have. I, I will. I will give you odds on that. We are going to have some type of grievance filed against the Patriots yeah. by Oakland within the month. Yeah. Okay, so say, I'm not the only one who's thinking this, right? No, no. I, no, I will okay. say my official right. stance is that Antonio Brown is like 20 percent psycho and 80 percent calculated evil genius who's good friends with Jimmy Butler, by the way. And Jimmy Butler well, orchestrated his way out of Minnesota. And don't forget the the guy who represents Antonio Brown. Drew Rosenhaus, the, uh, who was Terrell Owens' yes. guy. Next yeah. question. Yeah, throw a tantrum. Just make yourself a yes. pain in the ass and get cut. So this was all very orchestrated. But if it had been the Vikings that said, all right, bleep it. We got this. Our culture is strong enough. Mike Zimmer's respectable enough. We got a quarterback here. Uh, let's do this. How do you think it would have played out? Rami? Now, you guys... No better than I do. Mike Zimmer doesn't strike me as a, uh, you just be yourself and different rules apply to you than the rest of the team type of guy, is he? No. Uh, so I don't, no. I don't think, I don't think it would have worked here. I, I really don't. I, I feel like he would have tried to get into the same measuring contest or put Antonio Brown in line, quote unquote, that, that Mike Mayock got into there in Oakland. I, I, I don't see him as, that that passive sort of coach who just goes, yeah, there's going to be some BS we got to deal with, but watch that guy catch footballs, man. I, I'm, I'm willing to put up with some BS because just look at that guy running catch footballs. It is a thing of beauty. I don't think he's going to sit back and say that. 2010 taught taught the, not Mike, but the organization a lesson, right? Hey, Brad, can you handle Randy Moss? Of course I can. It won't be a problem. A month in, it's a complete dumpster fire. I, I think Spielman, I think in Rick's case, he gained some, he gained self-awareness to the fact that at that time he probably lacked it. But then R- Rami's exactly right. Mike Zimmer, 
is not going to. Can you imagine Mike Zimmer putting up with Antonio Brown? That that's the thing is, keep in mind, Dylan and Thielen and Diggs, excuse me, low maintenance as can possibly be, right? The receivers, right? So can you imagine throwing that Maltive cocktail into the locker room of Antonio? Hey, here's Antonio Brown. The Vikings have done a fantastic job under Mike of building locker room chemistry. But why? I think it's mostly decent guys. I'm not saying that they're all choir boys. They're yeah. not for sure. But how much do how much compared to the children's era, for instance, do we hear about guys doing stupid things or guys getting picked up for this or that? We really don't. And I think that there is something to be said. It's not that guys have to all get along. They don't. But I think that there has to be a respect there for for your teammates and more importantly the team system. Antonio Brown does not care. So I think that if you if you put Antonio Brown in that room as great a player as he could possibly be, a lot of guys would say this completely flies in the face of what we've been told here. The other thing, my last point is this. If Zim is going to walk to the edge of the cliff and say, I might jump, it is not going to be for an offensive player, Phil Mackey. Not a wide receiver. It, it's, going, it's going to be for the best cornerback you've ever seen in your for, life. He might do it for Charles Haley in his heyday. Exactly. But, not, not but it's Brown. not going to be for Ben. Right. I am infatuated with wide receivers that's, that's now. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Although, like, the first part of your point... I would almost, and I, and I am probably higher on Mike Zimmer than anyone on this show. I think Mike Zimmer is one of the 10 best NFL head coaches, uh, mostly because of just how great of a defensive head coach he is. He's not a complete head coach across the board if you loop in offense and other things, but I think he has evolved. I think he's gotten better with communication. He doesn't throw players, uh, well, he does throw players under the bus, but like he picks his spots better, I think, maybe than he did a couple years ago. Um, but if you're saying, well, Mike Zimmer has more of a my way or the highway rigid style. Therefore, you can't bring in an Antonio Brown. I would say any coach who operates that way, that's a flaw in your game. Because now Bill Belichick operates on a different level too. Because that's not like Bill Belichick puts up with a bunch of nonsense, but he has the credibility and the rings to be able to say, listen, dude, you want to win a championship? Because if you do, this is how we do it. And the quarterback too. And the quarterback is very important. That's the second thing I was going to get to. When you walk into a room and Antonio Brown, right or wrong, thinks he's the greatest offensive player of his lifetime. Like, Antonio Brown's ego is the size of a yacht. And when he walks into a room with Derek Carr, I'm sure those guys got along. Like, they showed some clips on, uh, you know, on Hard Knocks, and those guys are, you know, uh, dabbing and stuff and whatever. But, like, when he walks into a room with a Kirk Cousins or a Derek Carr or somebody that doesn't have multiple Super Bowl championship uh, credibility pieces, put it this way. Antonio Brown lost respect for Ben Roethlisberger, who's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. So how many quarterbacks and coaches or quarterback-coach combinations would he really have actual respect for? And the list might just be Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I mean, that literally just might be the list. That's possible, but I also do think that Bill Belichick is going to... No, I don't want to say let you get away with some stuff, but he just doesn't care about some things that Mike Mayock and John Gruden and others would. Do you think Bill Belichick would have cared one bit if Antonio Brown went chirping on Twitter about a fine that Bill Belichick gave him. He would have said, I'm not on my face. That would have been his response. He doesn't He doesn't care. Show up to practice, show up to the games, perform, catch a bunch of football, score a bunch of touchdowns, and we're going to be good. He really does. As long as the league will let you play, Bill Belichick will put you on the field on a Sunday. 
And he's not, and he's not gonna, he's not gonna raise a big stink over little things that at the end of the day don't matter and have no impact on his locker room, his fellow, his fellow teammates, the coaching staff for the Patriots as a whole. He's, he's, he's too busy trying to win football games to let his ego get in the way and say Antonio Brown is making me look bad. He doesn't care how he looks. Just look at what he was wearing last night on the sidelines. Bill Belichick gives zero hey, that wardrobe is nice, Ronnie. Be how quiet. he looks, okay? He is, yes, that's, that's all partially true, but the thing with Bill as well is that, is that if you don't produce, you're just gone. Like he'll bring in guys right. left and right and then yeah. you're gone. But, but Bill, the thing that Bill has perfected, and this is, I don't know how you do this. It's incredibly tough, but man, do I respect it. He, and I mean this, this is going to sound really bad, but I mean it in the best way possible. He, D, he basically doesn't care about human beings. Like you are so so, yeah. it, he but, almost lit the bridge on fire with Tom Brady two years ago. Yeah, yeah, but but if but if Josh Gordon screws up again and they're like Bill, he's gone. Bill's like, oh, okay, that's fine. But if Josh Gordon screws up again and they're like, Josh Gordon really needs help. Bill's going to be like, oh, I don't care about that. What can Josh Gordon do for me as a, a player? And so that's the, that's the line he walks that I find to be so in, intriguing is that if Anto- Antonio Brown produces. That's great, but the second that he doesn't do it, you know what? Moss. Moss loved Belichick. And Moss probably, I don't know, right or wrong, said, I need a raise. And Bill and Bill thought to himself, he's slightly declining. I'm calling the Vikings. Bill doesn't care about human beings. Yeah. Well, that's an impre- I don't know how you do that. Um yeah, he's a he's definitely like a he's like a football sociopath and it's yes. worked out well for him. That's very that's really well that's <laughs> actually perfectly po- Zimmer cares about people. He really does. Yeah. Everson Griffin and Anthony Barr are not Patriots but, today if if they if the circumstances had been the same as they were here for those. But he cares about people unless you're a kicker. <laughs> and by the way, the Jets have opened up a competition. I, I well, see that. What, what are the Jets stuff. doing? But hold on, like let me Sorry. go back to this for a second. Sorry, you brought up because I, <laughs> I know. you brought up the Jets. <laughs> I know. Now you made me mad. But I think I think the question is with Antonio Brown and this this hypothetical Viking scenario we're painting here, just like for fun. I'm, I, what I'm doing is I'm sort of like. I'm trying to figure out where do the Vikings stand in terms of cultures that are good enough to bring in a player like that. And I think the Vikings have a great, great behind-the-scenes culture. They just don't, you don't hear about a lot of bad, There's we're a long ways away from Love Boat, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a big public fiasco that embarrasses the franchise. But I'm wondering, can you build a culture like that that would be an okay place for Antonio Brown or high-maintenance, trouble uh, personalities to come in. Can you build that without multiple Super Bowl championships? Because the Vikings don't have multiple no, Super think, Bowl championships to lean on. They I, have a great culture. I think two things: championships and a quarterback. And the quarterback, like not like, and Kirk's a good quarterback, but, and not Derek Carr, right? Yeah, like Derek Carr. I think Antonio Brown looked at Derek Carr. He's like, Ugh. And, and I think Ben. So so Antonio Brown didn't turn on Ben until Ben turned on him, uh, but. If you bring Antonio Brown here and you say, all right, you got Kirk Cousins, make it work, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. Did you guys see Tom Brady invited Antonio Brown to live in his house until he figures out his living situation? <laughs> That's okay. such a Patriots, okay. such a Patriots play there, isn't it? That has to be it. That has to be a show. Not I'm only going to say the social media content that's going to come out of that is going to be magical. When you think Season about two of the Tom Brady show. Yeah, it's starring, uh, co-starring Antonio Brown and Drew Rosenhaus. Antonio Brown and Tom Brady going to kiss on the lips for an awkwardly long period of time. 
And Giselle, Giselle <laughs> comes downstairs. <laughs> Why are you in your negligee, Giselle? <laughs> <laughs> like, think about the message it sends to the Raiders and the rest of the league. That not only are you saying, hey, this, uh, this guy who everyone thinks is having a mental breakdown and just forced his way out of Oakland, not only do we feel comfortable signing him, but uh, he can live in my house. Yeah, like, come to my <laughs> Not, with my not kids. like the figurative house. Not like Antonio Brown is welcome in our house as the Patriots organization. He's going to live in the quarterback's yeah. house. I gotta, I gotta see that TV show, man. I'll pay money for that. I'm in on that and the Gronk reality show whenever that comes out. Like I know that that's going to be a thing. It's I don't point, know. Right? The Gronk reality show is just going to be like an hour of 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 broiness, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't that what the Gronk reality uh-huh. show is? I think there's more layers there. Gronk is too, more layers. Gronk yeah. is too thin now. Gain some weight back, dude. Because I was in uh I was in Milwaukee for a Cubs Brewers weekend and there was a lot of broiness going on, man. A lot of broiness. And Cubs bros and Brewers bros, they don't get along like bros, bro. That's do they, just not Do they fight in a fight? I was in a bar on Saturday night. I kid you not. Quick story. And I'm walking outside. Me and a couple of friends are walking outside, and there's a group of like six Cubs fans walking in front of us, like three or four guys, three or four girls, whatever. And they walked out of the door less than 30 seconds before I walked out of the door. And somehow, before I opened the door and stepped outside of the bar, they had found a group of like five or six Brewers fans, a few guys, a few girls. And all I heard back and forth was, I'm right here, bro. Bro, I'm right here. Yeah, well, I'm right here, too, bro. Well, I'm right here, bro. And their bros were holding them back, even though neither bro was really going to do anything. It was hilarious, and I wanted I wanted somebody to get through the line of bros holding the bros back and see a real fight. Because- have you guys in your life ever had to be held back? Like, Jonathan, have you guys yeah. ever been? Yeah. I have you Arab have. rage, dude. I have Arab rage deep down inside of me. And when it comes really? out, yeah, Arab I need to be held Arab back. Rage. Yeah. So you have a brother. We, we've gone at it. We're not times. a sensible people. Once back. we lo- once we lose our temper, we are not a sensible Rami's people. Rami's outing himself. Wait, I, can, wait, I what, can come out and say that. What did you say, Rami? I said, we are not a sensible people. Okay. Once I lose my temper, I am not sensible and I need to be <laughs> held back and calmed down. I have no problem admitting that. It's in my blood. Did you call it, it Arab rage to start off with? Yes. Yes, I did. It's a real thing. Man. I love that. Like, you can kind of joke about it but we can't so. <laughs> my last fight was grade school boys and i'm keeping it that way did you have to be held back like would you did they pull, great, did no you, did no no i fought the, okay oh no i fought i was i was great i i think i was undefeated in grade school fights except for once i when i was in sixth grade i fought an eighth grader and lost but no i i was but once i got to high school man i quit that judd have you ever in your in your grade school days did you ever walk up to a more diminutive fellow student and say uh, do you want these hands? <laughs> Come get these hands. I know. Thank God. All right, Rami, we'll, uh, like, we'll probably catch you on Wednesday then. All right? Yes, sir. Cool. Talk to you guys. See you, Rami. All right, Rami Bye. out in Milwaukee. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. We're going to wrap with Roycey when we come back here. 5.43 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. And if you missed it, I don't know how you did. The Vikings won yesterday in their season opener over the Falcons at U.S. Bank Stadium 28-12. to Scoring was started because of Kirk Cousins throwing to Adam Thielen. It's in motion, goes right to left. Cousins under center here on second and a dozen. Straight drop. Falcons trying to get there. Cousins cuts it loose. The catch and the score. Into the end zone goes Adam Thielen for Minnesota. Crossing route from right to left, and Thielen, who had nine scores a year ago, 
into the end zone on the second snap of the year for the Vikings. And that was just one of ten passes Kirk Cousins was allowed to throw all day yesterday. And he had this to say about throwing just ten times in their 28-12 win. Yeah, throwing ten times is really unique. Um, probably haven't had a game with that few attempts since since literally Pop Warner. I think I probably threw ten times or more in most high school games too. So it was what the game called for. And um, I have no problem with being conservative. As long as we win the football game, that's all that matters to me. And um, we found a way to get the win. So the approach was um, was a great approach. Well, the quarterback says he has no problem as long as they're winning. Let us know your thoughts on if you like that game plan as long as it's winning over at Score North at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Getting home field advantage, playing home in the playoffs, and taking it to Miami and beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. How's that sound? I mean, that sound that that sounds like it could be fun. I think. Let's get on that. I think I need to see Week Two before I jump on the Super Bowl bandwagon. I just want to. I just want to see Week Two, Bob. If they win, if they win next week, let's buy tickets together. Okay, you and I'll get on StubHub or whatever. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Ventline was. Uh, Ventline was good. We had Randy and Cottage Grove call in. Had, hey. had a couple drinks. So, so hey, Pat, how's it going? Randy's Randy's optimistic, is he? Uh, Bob in Pennsylvania and Randy are both definitely planning their Miami trips. Yeah, Bob. Um, uh, okay, Bob. Uh, why? Why is Bob a Viking fan? What's wrong with him? Oh, Bob. Yeah, Bob is in uh, Philadelphia en- enemy territory out there. But he's a big. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, like two thirds of our calls on Ventline are from outside the state. We even had a call from Italy <laughs> yesterday on Ventline. You did? Yeah. Well, they were Francesca. they were optimistic. They were optimistic too. You guys didn't take my advice and get Brown's wine line today, did you? Uh, we didn't. We didn't have time today, but it's it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely in the pipeline. We did. We expanded the vent line brand last Friday to include uh, Bears vent line, so okay. the, the brand is expanding. Okay. Yep. Ooh, oh, okay. Yeah, I bet those Bears fans were happy after getting themselves all worked up. But that uh, I don't know. There were a lot of disasters yesterday. But uh, the Brownies uh, were number one, and maybe the Lions uh, managed <laughs> to turn that game into a tie. Was uh, number two, maybe the Jets, or the, excuse me, the Jets. That was pretty good. Or oh, the Dolphins, though. They gave up fifty-nine oh, yeah. points to Baltimore. They're, the Dolphins are my favorite. I don't think I've ever seen a National Football League team go into a season with the active tanking mode. No, it's a completely different sport. You can't do that. First of all, as I said on Twitter, you know this isn't the NBA. Uh, you know you're not you're not tanking in baseball or the NBA. It's dangerous to tank in the NFL. You could get hurt. You can't have a bunch of guys out there who who don't belong in the league playing together. You're going to get murdered. You know it's ridiculous. I don't think the Dolphins uh, executives care, Patrick. I think that might be part of the thing. Yeah, but what are they trying to do here? It, the NFL is so you have a good draft. So what? You know, you get three good players. Now you only need fifty more. It's uh, it's idiotic, but I'm sure that uh, I'm sure they'll have some fine crowds there. Although half their crowds already are visiting teams if they, you know, not 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 within their own division. But you know, if somebody like the Vikings go down there, they take ten thousand, fifteen thousand people with them. So. 
So uh, what, really? what did you make of my – you and I, by the way, uh, we had a Roycey and Mackey reunion that will be uh, tomorrow's episode of Unchained, and you and I did a deep dive into this. But uh, your, your quick thoughts on Mike Zimmer's magical blueprint and uh, seven months of off-season <laughs> scheming all coming to fruition. He can retire after week one. He can just oh, be done. He's so damn, he's so damn happy he can't stand it. That I told you. I should have fired that DiFilippo after the first week last year. He's probably saying to himself, "Ah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible when you block a punt right off the out of the shoot and score a touchdown right away. I think you got a chance to start uh, setting the terms for the game, and they uh, certainly do that. I mean, let's face it; they got players, man. They got good personnel. If they, uh, you know, if they if they keep it together." Uh, as far as you know, if Sim doesn't coach too much, they're uh, they're they're in pretty good shape. I mean, they got athletes, that's for sure. <clears throat> the safety, I mean, Anthony Harris, they had him sit in the bench for three years, and now he might be better than Harrison Smith. And that's the, that's the position they never really had that other that other safety back there. Sendejo run in and get a fifteen yard penalty every once in a while or ten yard, but. Uh, but they didn't have that position and that defense. I mean, what's the weak spot on that defense? There probably isn't one. No, probably not. And Cousins, 10 passes. As you said, Zim right now is loving life. His quarterback threw 10 passes, and darn it, that's just perfect. And no matter what Cousins what Cousins tells us, he ain't loving life. I can guarantee you he did not come here to throw 10 passes. No, he did. <laughs> I can guarantee you. And that probably won't be the case uh, uh, too often again. But uh, it, it's amazing, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so the Yankees are within seven home runs of the Twins. If this thing ends with the Yankees setting the Major League home run record at the end of the regular season and then the Yankees beating a depleted, injured Twins team in the playoffs, uh, will that ultimately trump all the things the Yankees have done to the Twins the last 20 years, Pat? Oh, well, I, unfortunately, I think this is the uh, Yankees. Uh, if, when they, if and when the Yankees beat the Twins this year, it will be for the same reason they've beaten them all those other times. They're better. Now, uh, that's, you know, that's... That's the reason that uh, those series went that way. It's always driven me crazy about this Yankee jinx or whatever it is. They're just better. But I will say, when you look back at 2010, and you for, you often forget, you, you talk about how the Yankees swept that team, blah, 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 same old, same old. If Justin Morneau hadn't gotten hurt that year, uh how many teams? They won 94 with him not playing the second half. Now they had a home field over the Yankees anyway. But, uh, you look back, that was a really good team. Mm-hmm. That was a 98-99 win team. That was like the team. And, uh, you know, you can't, you know, he was, he was, had a chance to be a two-time MVP the way he was playing that year. So I, I don't know the Yankee jinx. I, I don't think it would trump it. No, but, this Twins team, uh, they, we, we don't have any idea yet who's going to play Tuesday, but knowing Rocco, if they're, uh, if they all say we're rip, roaring ready to go, he won't play them anyway, but, uh, they have to, uh, they, they got to get their club on the field there. Crews will play Tuesday. They, they won't, he won't, he won't put up with it. And what Kepler, they're saying that 
The X-ray is clean, but there's some inflammation in there, so he won't probably play. won't see him. No, probably won't see him till the weekend. Sano's got a bad back. Is yeah. is that the uh, update on him? That's what they said. That was kind of I I don't know where that came from, uh, but he, he he said he'd been dealing with it for a while. Okay, and uh, and that and that they they had made the decision apparently not to play him. I think he's going to be playing but uh you know i don't think it's anything chronic i just you know i I don't know what he did he didn't have some stupid belly slide or anything that i can remember so uh not lately so i I don't know how he did it hey patrick uh, yeah i got it secret agent sent from the yankees i it just hit me like a bolt of lightning michael pineda Oh, oh would, yeah. The Yankees okay. sent him here, had him sign, <laughs> knowing he, he would have a tainted sample. This is typical of what happens that New York does to us. Bastards. Yeah, Jake's, yeah, yeah, they think up good stuff like that. <laughs> you know, so if I'm going to sneak in a sl- secret agent, he isn't going to be 6'9 and 3 points. <laughs> night record. People might, people might say, who's this guy? You know, yeah, that is, uh, boy, that's a kick in the shins. That's, uh, I, I think I told Phil this today, uh, and I, I just think it. They were long. They've gone from long shots to no chance uh, to me without with you know to get by, to get by New York and Houston back to back. Ah, ain't happening without him. That's it. Probably wasn't happening anyway. But it's it's not happening now. Yeah. They got to get. You know, they just got to get this thing fixed so they get their team out on the field here. Let's. Uh, you know they got to figure something out here because they can't. It is astounding that no nobody nobody in the history of the game has spent more time trying to make sure their team stays healthy, and now they're more banged up than they uh, than they've been all year. This is the worst the Twins have been right now. This is the worst yep. team that they're putting on the field all season long, and it's not you know through any fault of their own, but it's probably the worst team they've. They've had all season right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not a bad time here in about a week to start your ten game stretch to end the year against the Royals and Tigers. And yeah. Pat, by the way, the Tigers yeah. it's 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 September 9th, so there's still three weeks to go. The Tigers have already lost a hundred games. Yeah, and uh, they got. I think they got a series with the Orioles this weekend, or is it early next weekend? Maybe maybe it's early. Next, no, I think it's this weekend. They they have the uh, the Orioles coming to Comerica Park. That would that would be. Uh, I bet they pack them in for that one, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> be really they exciting. Ought, I don't want to you take it. Yeah, I'll have a special promotion. Cover the game. We'll give you five dollars <laughs> and a free beer or something like that. Wow, yeah, poor Gardy. He, he, I mean, he's gonna. He's uh, you know, two weeks ago he said. Yeah, I'd like to be back, but I don't blame them if they fire me. <laughs> That's hilarious. So that was a plea for getting the hell out of Dodge. He doesn't not he doesn't have to put up with that. So I, I think he'll be. But you know what? Don't uh okay, so now Dombrowski gets fired and it's like they want to redo things. They're apparently not sure they're gonna bring back Mookie and Martinez and have these young guys. I uh you know the the Tigers GM is Avila. He's one. Of, he's an older type of baseball man. I wonder if they'll blow him out too and try to get some, 
young analytical type in there. And when you're at the bottom anyway, you might as well try to build from up there, down there. But, so, Guardies, Guardies. Well, go ahead, Pat. Well, this is not a building sport either. I mean, it's not like that. Okay, we got, you know, if we get young and wow, we, we get young and we could get, you know, here's the trouble when you got a lot of young players and you're terrible. There's a very good chance you're going to still be terrible. You know, not Houston managed to beat that, but uh, not most teams that bottom out stay down there and stink. Yeah, because young players who can't play can't play. Pat, we got to run, but uh, Tom Kelly is on Royce on Baseball tonight with you, and also Tim Kirchin. So. Stay tuned here. Yes. All right, we'll see okay. you tomorrow, Pat. See you, Pat. By the way, in the last 10 seconds here, Ron Gardenhire's last six years as a manager, four in Minnesota, two in Detroit, 99 losses, 96, 96, 92, 98, 100 so far. I'm glad the job pays well. So, All right, we're back tomorrow. Mackie and Jeff with Rami. All the Viking stuff you can want on scorenorth.com. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.